I want to kick off this year with going through the book of James. I think it's a pretty good book. And I want to I want to go about it. Hold on. Nice. So loud. I want to go about it maybe just a little bit differently. I want to kind of give you the keys to the kingdom up front. And then, um, so you kind of know what to expect every single week. All right? Is that cool? All right. So it's five chapters, which means it's going to be five weeks. Okay? And um, I like to call James like the, and don't cringe right away. I like to call it the how to be a Christian manual. I really believe that. And I think, I think sometimes we have a view in our mind of what Christianity is supposed to look like. And it's kind of defined by, oh, we're trying to counter the world or, you know, <laughs> my life experience tells me this or, you know, whatever it might be. James actually just maps it out clearly of what we are supposed to be as Christians. Not what we think we want to be, but we, what we are supposed to be. Does that make sense? It's not, there's no preconceived notions or, you know, agendas tied to Christianity other than honoring Jesus. I, I, and I think we lose sight of that a lot. And I know this is going to be like so, maybe so elementary. But at the end of the day, I think we lose sight of almost overcomplicating it. Or standing on some pebble instead of the rock that we're actually founded on. So this is going to be, again, how to be a Christian manual. The words... In the word, at their word. <laughs> Completely at their word. I'm not bringing an agenda to this. <laughs> if you know me well, I don't have much of an agenda other than I just want people to know Jesus. That's all. That's it. That's all I've got. <laughs> it's the only, frankly, it's the only message I have, you know? <laughs> it's all tied up in that. That's all I want. There's no other agenda. I don't want to be famous. I really, really don't want to be famous. I don't want that. What I want is people to know Jesus. And I believe that James maps this all out perfectly in a beautiful tied up bow of, hey, this is who you're supposed to be. This is what you're supposed to be. This is how you're supposed to be. So this week, this message is, is titled Right Religion. And you're like, oh, religion? I'm all relationship, Lex. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, yeah, I know. That's, it's still religion. It is. Whether it's drinking every single night, a religion, it's something you buy into, it's a belief that you buy into, whether it's Christianity, Buddhism, or getting lit up every single weekend. It's all part of an, a religion that you're buying into. It's a mentality, it's a belief, it's a lifestyle that you're buying into. No different than Christianity. I used to hate affiliating, my, affiliating myself with that word Christian. Why? Because it's get, I gotten so jacked up. There's Westboro Baptist over here, and there's people stealing money from people over here, and everything in between. I'm like, man, I just want to be a Jesus people, you know, which is still cool. It's a 70s dude, right? If you know anything about revival history, right? There was the Jesus people movement, and it was lovely, all that kind of stuff. But I was like so scared to affiliate with this word that Jesus breathed and said, this is what I want it to be. Did you know that they were called Christians in the Bible? It wasn't just some Americanized thing. Did you know that? James talks about what a real Christian looks like, what a real follower of Jesus looks like. So this week is going to be right religion. Okay, we're going to go through chapter one, right? I know you could have guessed that. Next week, guess what we're going to go through? Chapter four. Nope, <laughs> that is not right. 
chapter 2. <laughs> and it's going to be titled, Pure and Proper Faith. Okay? Week 3 is going to be the wisdom of the tongue. Week 4, pure motive, a pure motive in prayer. And then the last week is wisdom in action. And I believe that chapter 1 kind of touches on all of these in their vaguety. And then they all in more and more direct. James could be a Christianity for dummies. Okay? And I think if we, if you want to get the most out of this study, your preconceived notions have to just disappear. Whatever you think a Christian is, for a second. The good, the bad, the ugly. Make it all fly away for a second. I'm not telling you to not discern, obviously, you know, still discern, all of that fun stuff. But there's a difference between discerning and opinion. Okay? So that's kind of the journey I want to go through. So feel free to read along or read, read, I guess, maybe better said, prior to when we're gathering so that you know what's coming. So you're a little bit more familiar with that scripture, even if you've read it over and over. Oh, great. Yippee. Good for you. Read it again. Read it with me. You know? Okay? I'm reading... The way I prepare a lot of my messages is I read that chapter every single day <laughs> until I preach it, just so I'm super familiar with it. All right, a little cheat code. Um, that's what I do. Okay? So in every type of writing, there's a purpose. Yes? Whether it is Avatar, which is kind of a modern-day Lorax, right? I speak for the trees, right? No? All right. That sounded funnier in my head. <laughs> Madison told me that I'm turning into too much of a dad joke guy, and I, now here I am. Everybody looks at me blankly. Or, you know, whatever book. It all, they all have a purpose, you know? You've ever written a school paper? It had a purpose, whether it was to get a grade or, you know, whatever. It all has a purpose. So there's a purpose behind the book of James, as you might have guessed. And there's an undertone. And I don't know if you know, here's a little trivia for um, anybody who's into that. The book of James is actually called the book of Jacob. Actually changed it over time. It's kind of an interesting fun fact. But that's just me. So the overall purpose of James is to expose hypocritical practices and teach right Christian behavior. What concept, right? We need that today. Holy crap. Oh my gosh, we need it. The church is thirsty for it. Or at least they, they should be. It's technically written to Jewish Christians in Gentile communities. Okay? Obviously, still applicable today, or else I wouldn't be talking about it. Okay? So are you with me? Are you attentive? Do I have your attention? Yes? Great. Lord, I, play, I pray that you would illuminate your word to us, that it would jump off the page and land in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. We are inundated with crafty marketing every single day, right? We see it. If you've been on Instagram, you scroll through and you see more ads than everything else, right? And they're all like what you were talking about yesterday with your friend, <laughs> and it's super creepy. We're inundated with these kinds of marketing, whether it's a car commercial where it says it's re this is a revolutionary experience or the greatest ever, right? I had to turn the rotate off. We're inundated with extravagant claims as we listen to commercials, scroll through Instagram, and we see products that guarantee a life-changing slash altering experience, right? We see it every single day. Click now for whiter teeth. <laughs> Click now for guaranteed in your, or your money back, right? All of these claims... Husband slash wife material. You know, you, you get it? Like all of these claims, this is what you need to do to set yourself up for marriage. All of these different things. Ten steps to do life hacks. All of these different things. Yes? Whether it's cars, life hacks, whatever. 
think around the elections, everybody's, you know, everybody's just trying to get elected and they're tearing down somebody so that they can take up a pedestal and we get inundated with all this. So-and-so did this and they're just the worst person ever, but I'm going to make a better life for you, <laughs> right? All of these things. And guess what? It works. Maybe not the election stuff as much, you know, because <laughs> you're just like, all right, it's old guys, try something new, right? But it works. And what happened it is really interesting, at least to me. The church saw that it worked. And what did the church start to do? They did the same thing, right? Follow me to church, right? All of these kinds of bumper stickers that we've seen, right? You're thinking of them? We started doing the same thing, trying to sell the church. Instead of letting the Holy Spirit speak for himself. And allowing the Holy... Think of it. If a revival was truly happening, would you have to put it on Instagram? No. Why? Because there would be a fragrance that would attract you and you would go. I study revivals like a lunatic. I love it, dude. I absolutely love it. Dick, addicted to it, you know? I want it so bad in my life. I want to see one, you know? Colorado has never had a revival. What? What are we doing, you know? Florida's had them. California's even had them. Frick, man. Like, we've got to, we've, something's got to change, right? I love revivals. There's a Brownsville revival in Florida, and they gathered every single day for week after week after week. Not because some fancy guy was speaking, but because the presence of the Lord was there. They didn't advertise. They didn't market. Holy Spirit sold himself. It's sad when, it, when things come at the expense of the power of God. We see, follow me to church, quote-unquote, or, quote-unquote, you know, stuff like this. These church marketing, applicable teaching, quote-unquote, applicable teaching. Or, weirdest one that I've seen, a sermon guaranteed to be 29 minutes or less so that you can get to church on time, or at lunch on time. Dang! Can you imagine... Some of you are like, oh, that sounds kind of nice. Well, no. <laughs> You're at the wrong place. <laughs> Not just me, but Reese. We were joking about that today. The church makes all these same kind of clam, the claims, right? That we see on car commercials, right? Quote, unquote, Jesus is the answer. And he is. But most Christians are lost, depressed, and anxious. Am I allowed to say that? Or believe in God. But when something doesn't go as planned, Christians go into spirals. Or, quote unquote, God loves you. But you don't love them. <laughs> right? Or, he's a healer. But I'm not going to give him things that I've considered normal in my life, right? The things that we've actually agreed with that are lack, that are not fullness. I hope you're grabbing this. The next five weeks, we're going to kind of cover all of this. But tonight, go to James chapter 1. If you're already there, kudos. If you're not, when you get there, say Madison. Say it louder so I can hear you. <laughs> Everybody says it in their head, and they're like, Ma, he heard me. <laughs> I read mail, but not that well. <laughs> James chapter 1, everybody there? We're going to kind of go chunk by chunk here, if I can use that language. This chapter kind of maps out this concept of right religion. And as I said at the beginning, I want you to leave your preconceived notions at the door 
and allow the word to speak for itself. I think a lot of the times we bring it through this filter of our life experience, our opinion, and then we say, well, I'll pick what I want to hear or what I don't want to hear. Take it for all it's worth. Don't you want to be a better Christian? Don't you want to rightfully exemplify Jesus? Don't you? Then listen up. This chapter answers the question of what a Christian has, okay? And you'll see that as a theme as we go through this week by week. What a Christian has. Ready? We're going to read verses 1 through 11 to kick off, okay? It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersation greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance or steadfastness. And let endurance or steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Sounds pretty good, yes? Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives it out generously to all without reproach, and it, will be, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, because he is double-minded and unstable in his ways. Yeesh. It's not holding back any punches here, yes? Verse 9. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises and its scorching heat, it withers the grass, it, and, its, its flower, uh, sorry, and its flower falls, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of, the, of his pursuits. Good? So he introduces himself. Yes, simply, this is Jesus' brother, not the apostle, okay? I think that's an important thing to note, okay? For if you care. He introduces himself, and then he addresses the audience that he's talking to, which is the 12 tribes, which means talking to Jewish people. Yes? Okay, I told you. Taking the word for what it's worth, yes? Okay. I think a lot of us overanalyze this word trials, or some other translations call testing. Yes? We overanalyze this and, and maybe even mislabel what these things actually are. A testing and a trial is not you stubbing your pinky toe on the dresser. <laughs> okay? And you laugh, but I've met some people that that threw them into a freaking whirlwind. And they're like, there's not a God. <laughs> Whoa, all right. You're a train wreck. And I said it to their face too. If you know me well. These Christians are getting persecuted and mocked. That's who he's talking to. Yes? They're getting persecuted and mocked for what they believe. Not something that they did to themselves. Not self-inflicted stuff. But because of who they believe in. Okay? And I want to note that this reads when, not if. When trials come, not if trials come. A lot of us think that it's going to just be a bunch of butterflies and rainbows and we're never going to get persecuted. And I think I was talking to uh, my buddy Zach about this last night while we were eating dinner. I thrive in opposition. I do. I do. I love when I'm down in ping pong making a comeback. I love when there's a Facebook page made about me. Man, it fuels me, dude. I love it. Yes, it's a deeper, but I love it. You know why? Because I think I must be doing something right. Why do I think that? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Because first off, I'm supposed to consider it all joy. What? I'm supposed to consider it all joy when somebody calls me a heretic. I love it, you know? I actually really believe in what I'm talking about. I'm not just blowing smoke tonight. 
right? It fuels me. When you encounter persecution, capitalize on it with joy. That's the Lex translation. Okay? Because then verse 3, it follows up. It tells us that we can profit from this type of persecution. Anybody like profit? I like profit. I do. I, it gets me some pretty cool commission checks, and I really like profit. Not at church. I'm not full-time here. <laughs> that would be weird. You get 10% of every person you bring to the Lord. You guys laugh, but that's a real thing in some churches. <laughs> the cool thing is, if your Christianity, I want to say this right, if your Christianity does not set you up for persecution, you don't have faith. That's what this is saying. You literally don't have faith. Or you never had it. Am I telling you to go out and seek persecution and go get on a street corner and start hitting people with the, with the signs? No, I'm not telling you to do that. Okay? And I will never tell you to do that. Okay? I'll tell you to pray for people and watch them get healed on the street corners, but not your repent, you're going to hell stuff. If your Christianity does not set up persecution, you never had faith slash don't have faith. If tested faith produces endurance, then no faith testing produces pansies. Do you hear me? Let me say it one more time. If tested faith produces endurance, then, if we're doing ratios, then the flip side of it is no faith being tested produces a pansy. Who likes being called a pansy? I like the flower. That's where it stops. Right? It's a muscle that's actually being moved and flexed and used. And again, going back to the word, I may kind of differ in, from what you believe on this, but I believe, I believe that we can live a perfect life moving forward. <laughs> What separates us from not being Jesus is that he lived an entirely perfect life. Yes? But once I know him, and once I've laid my life down for him, and once I become a living sacrifice to him, something changes. What? My sinful nature is supposed to go away. James talks about that we are to be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. Yes? We read it together, right? You guys are kind of looking at me like deer in headlights. We read that together. It's what, verse 4, right? That it would have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. Whoa. So no, I can't be Jesus. I can't die for your sins. Duh, right? I have to say that so you don't take me out of context. What I can be, I'm supposed to be like him. Though, yes, he calls me to be like him. Not just playing dress up where I put him on and put him off and put him on and put him off. No, I'm supposed to be like him. I'm supposed to be clothed with him. Holy Ghost lives in me. That means I'm supposed to be dead. Yes? I believe that we can achieve a perfect life if we are fully surrendered to the king. If we allow our faith to produce steadfastness, we can be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. At the end of the day, our goal, this is the goal, right? That's the goal, is to be more like him. We're called hypocrites and stuff because we continue to revisit the sins that we did over and over and over again. 
Think of it this way. I cannot achieve the standard of perfect life the way Jesus lived because I've already sinned and fallen short. Yes? I'm already a sinful man. Hence why I needed a Savior. But if I'm actively allowing the Lord to teach and test my faith, then this is the work of sanctification over my life. What's sanctification? Making me more like Him. Yes? So, right religion is exactly that. Me more like Him than the dead guy. <laughs> right? Yes, it's about the relationship with him, of course, and all that kind of stuff. And that will always be my cry of heart is get intimacy with the Lord. Get intimacy with the Lord. If you're not getting intimacy with the Lord, you have no idea what you're doing. Get alone with him. Yes, that's right religion. Get alone with him. But the way you view religion tonight needs to be realigned to the way he talks about it. We should be proud to call ourselves Christians. Because of the way we live. I'm going to control what I can control, yes? I can't control what so-and-so does. I can't control the way they, they do this or that. But what I can control is the way I represent Christ as me. You can control the way you represent Christ. Yes? Wow, what a mantle that is. I don't need anything else other than that. Isn't that lovely? So if we take this for what it's worth, perfect, complete, lacking in nothing, our religion is more, is more than just getting to heaven. Our idea of heaven might even be misaligned. <laughs> you know, some of us get sick of worshiping too long. But I think that's the primary focus in heaven. The angels sit up there and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come over and over and over again. Do you realize that? That's what you do up there. Don't you want to do that? Man, it sounds lovely to me. Faith is a currency that, tr that trumps fear. And faith is a currency that trumps doubting. Yes? When I'm doubting, I exchange it for faith. When I'm fearful, I exchange it for faith. I don't succumb to it. I don't say, oh, no. I don't do that. I exchange it. I make a transaction. Say, here's my faith in exchange. I don't want to doubt anymore. In verse 6, it invites us into asking for wisdom in faith without doubting. And then it continues in verse 8, calling that person that doubts being double-minded. <laughs> What's that mean? Confused. Saying that you believe in the Lord, but you're also afraid. <laughs> Saying that you believe in the Lord, but you also doubt Him. <laughs> Saying that you believe in the Lord, but fill in the blank. If you believe in the Lord, gosh, man, I don't know. When I believed, when the first moment I believed in the Lord, a lot of things disappeared. I hope the same was for you. I don't get stressed. I don't get anxious. My depression left me. My suicidal thoughts left me. I was a new man when I met him. Yes? I hope that same thing happened to you. So I guess what is wisdom then? Right? What's wisdom? Anybody want to take a shot at this? I feel like you guys are kind of just staring at me. What's wisdom? Oh gosh, I'm glad that we're talking about it then. Wisdom is activated knowledge. Wisdom is activated knowledge. A lot of us know the church answer. That's knowledge. Doing the church answer is wisdom. Yeah? The, real, the good stuff, not the bad stuff. 
the real good stuff, what the word says, yes? That lens, okay? So faith in full effect brings trials when we use the muscle and in return produces endurance, which then invites us into a life of wisdom without doubting. Sign me up. Did you catch all that? Huh. Then James kind of shifts for the next chunk of verses. So we're going to read 12 through 18. You still with me? 12 through 18. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial or testing. For when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then that desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. And then sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to the change. Of his own we will be brought, or sorry, we will be brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his, cre of his creatures. It's wonderful. I think before we move forward, we've got to define two words. The two words are test and tempt. These are do, two different words, yes? You still with me? Okay. I might just look at Nikki. Nikki's the only one. She's just nodding. She's with me. We've got to, we've got to define these two words, tempt and test. Both words have been used now, as we've read, yes? But I think a lot of us blur these. And we exchange them, and then we get all confused and twisted up, and, and oh, oh my gosh, what's going on? And I see a lot of us blaming God for things that aren't Him. Saying, oh my gosh, God's tempting me with this. No, 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 no. You just read it. He doesn't tempt. He doesn't tempt. Did you hear me? He does not tempt. To tempt is a demonic ploy. Whoa, that's big language, Lex. I know. That's how serious it is. It's a demonic ploy. Jesus was tempted. Right? He was not tested by the devil. <laughs> he maybe got on his nerves and got testy, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. But he was tempted by the devil. He's not tested by the devil. You are tempted post your repentance to fall back into that sin. It's not the Lord testing you and saying, ooh, are you going to bite again? <laughs> Whoa, he wasn't the serpent. God was never the serpent. Do you know that? I hope. <laughs> Temptation is not sin, but the agreement with it is. Yes? Okay? Good. So to test is something different, correct? Good. That's why they're two different words. To test is a, as I like to put it, a heavenly workout. Okay? A heavenly workout is what a test is. Peter was testing his faith as he took the first step onto the water. Right? Yes, we know that. Okay. You are tested when you're at the table with somebody and they're talking illy about Jesus. You're tested. Hey, are you going to stand up for me? That's not a temptation. That's a test. Testing is not a sin. It's actually an opportunity. It's an opportunity to work out your faith. It's an opportunity to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Whoa, that's cool, dude, right? That's awesome. Doesn't that sound good? Right? I want that. I want it. I'm not happy with where my faith is today. And I will say the same thing next year. And I will say the same thing in 10 years. I'm not happy with where it is because I want more. I want to trust in the Lord more. I want to be used by him more. I don't want him to pass me by. 
I want, did you know, me and Madison were just talking about this, did you know that Catherine Coleman, what number? Seven? She, she was seventh in line. Does anybody know who Catherine Coleman is? You should study her up. She's one of the greatest women, woman revivalists ever, ever. Just look her up and say, whoa. And this was her thing. There's only one. That's the picture that you'll see is this. Oh, so cool. She would, she would, ooh. She's why Benny Hinn's around. All of these kinds of big, big, big people. She was a huge influence in Marilyn's life. Huge. But anyway, she was seventh in line. The Lord actually asked six other people before he got to Catherine. That should like throw you back in your seat a little bit. Why? Because the Lord's trying to pick us. Not pick on us. Pick us. He's saying, hey, are you going to step up to the plate? I've got cool things for in, in store for you. It says it in Jeremiah. I've got great things in store for you that you'll prosper in. Yes? Like, come on. Right? I don't want to be passed by. I don't want to be the other people sitting around that, that pond that, the, that Jesus walked up and healed the one guy who was there for 30 plus years. I don't want to be the rest of them. I want to be that one. I want to be the one. Yes? Do you? All right. So, get this. God doesn't tempt. He does not dangle carrots. God aligns opportunities to test our faith. The cool thing is, is how many of you know you have power to turn a temptation into a test by rebuking and refusing the temptation? Did you hear me? If the devil comes your way with a temptation saying, hey, take this apple, you can say no to it, rebuke it, boom, you just strengthen your faith. It works all things together for good. Yes? Are you hearing me? Because that's mind-blowing to me. When the, when the Holy Spirit illuminated that to me, to me, I was like, oh, dang, that's pretty cool. Right? I, all I've got is messages that he tells me about. You know, <laughs> this is all just stuff that he talked to me about. Okay? We can look at Job as he was tempted, but he exercised his faith in the Lord over it. And guess what? Was his faith strengthened? Sure was. Every single thing that came against him, it was strengthened. But the flip side of it, we see in verse 14, temptation leads to alluring, enticing by our own desire. And when that desire is pregnated, it births sin and then it brings forth death. That's when we fall into temptation. It's when we agree with it. Yes? How many of you know that Jesus had to die for our sins because a bunch of dead people were wandering around and he had to rebreathe life? Every single day, you're going to be enticed by your own desires. Every single day. You're going to be. But we can't agree with it. Yes? We can't. If we do, what happens? It leads us into a snowball effect into death. Good thing he died on the cross for us. Amen? We have to use our discernment over everything in and around our lives to avoid deception and stop blaming God because verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift is from the Father of the lights. It's beautiful. Right religion is birthed in proper discernment, not opinions defined by life experiences. He created religion. Man messed it up. He showed us how we were supposed to interact with him, and we then attempted shortcuts. Right? Everybody's trying to find, okay, give me the three steps into an anointed life. 
There's only one step, actually. Get in your closet, spend some time with him. <laughs> That's it. For how long? No, don't ask that question. Just keep on doing it. That's it. You don't get to decide. <laughs> how long? Until he trusts you. That's it. Do you get it? Okay. 19 through 25. It reads, No, everybody there? If you're not, you'll get to hear me. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, but slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Such a run on. Hmm. But be doers of the word, not just hearers deceiving yourselves. Did you hear that? Be doers of the word, not just hearers. Because what are hearers? Deceiving themselves. Whoa. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. <laughs> but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doings. Man, that's such good news. How many of you know what you look like? <laughs> You're pretty familiar with it? Yeah? If you were to... All right, this is weird. Because this is what came to my mind. You know those, like, sketches that they put up of, like, robbers on the news? <laughs> what is that called? Sketch artist. Sketch artist. That sounds right. Where they explain, hey, this is... This is who I saw. This is what he looked like. And then they put up this weird sketch of this person. If you were to do one of those about yourself, do you think you would look like what you look like? I know, it's super weird. You'd be at least pretty close, right? You'd capitalize on the features that you like a little bit more than the others, right? I probably wouldn't talk about the moles that are on my face, you know? I'd talk about, you know, my nose, you know? Or... My eyes, or Smile. my Hair. lips. <laughs> I wouldn't talk about my calyx, which is the, all the swirls that I've got in my hair. You know, you'd highlight different things and this and that, but it would be pretty close, right? Yes? Okay. Or maybe your friend. You could explain them and be pretty close, right? You with me? So that's the physical. <laughs> What about internally? What about our internal, if I can use this language, our internal face? Our internal world? What if we were to describe that? Would it line up to what it actually is? Or would we more kind of talk about what we want it to be, what we hope it's going to be? Are you getting me? I feel like there's a tension and an identity crisis of who I am versus who I want to be. So most of us would explain, the, one, the things that we like and the, one, the things that we're going after, not the things that we don't like, and not the actual filth that we are. Yes? Many of you know that the word is the defining point for us. Maybe said differently, I don't define the word, it defines me. Did you hear that? I don't define the word, that's why I can't read it through my opinions. It defines me. He's the one who opens the scroll. He's the one who breaks the seal and opens the scroll. He's the only one who can illuminate scripture to me. But therefore, I try to study my way into it. I was talking to a guy the other day. He was like, why don't I like reading the Old Testament? 
It's like, well, maybe because the Lord's not asking you to. Have you ever thought of that? What's the Lord actually asking you to read? Not what you want to read or what you feel like you need to read. What's he actually luring you and wooing you into reading? That might put up a new lens on the way we're supposed to be. Yes? That makes sense? We're to look at our internal worlds through the lens of the word. What this does is it highlights our imperfections and it affirms our righteousness. Right? Closer we get to the Lord, as Billy Graham said, the closer we get to the Lord, the more noticeable our sin becomes. That's what he said. Isn't that brilliant? Man, I wish I said that. I said it. I could steal it. Not anymore, though. Now you know. Right? The closer we get to him, the more aware of our sin we become. That's real, right? It exposes. The word exposes everything. We need to perceive ourselves in the mirror of the word and not deceive ourselves into who we think slash want to be. Do you understand that you are from divine origin? Oh, man. I'm an eternal being for a divine purpose planted on this world so that I could fulfill his purposes and partner and co-labor with him. That's not just me. That's everybody. Right? We're of divine origin. When we gaze at the mirror slash maybe even the law of liberty, we have to respond to that truth and then the Lord blesses that truth. He almost puts an exclamation. There it is. Explanation. What? Exclamation point at the end of it. and says, hey, look at this. I'm yelling this at you. This is truth. Yes? And I, I, I didn't feel like I was supposed to address like 19, 19 through 21. Because when my eyes are on him... I don't need to focus on the filthiness and that stuff. I think a lot of us focus, don't take me out of context, promise. We focus too much on our sin. Let me finish. What if we were just to focus on him more? I believe that that's Christianity. Our filth, our junk, the crap, falls away when we focus on perfection. Stop trying to work your way out of sin. Nope, get in your closet, get intimate with him. And I guarantee it'll go away. Guarantee. (laughs) Or your money back. Right? That's it. Guaranteed, dude. It's what I like to call byproduct Christianity. It's the essence of byproduct Christianity. I focus on his truth, and then I watch all of the filth fall off of me. Why? Because I'm being washed by the word. I'm being washed by the word in full effect. So don't just hear truth. Grab it, chew it, and let it consume you and be a doer. Yes? Okay, last two verses, and then we'll finish. Good job. Proud of you guys. 26 through, and 27. If anyone thinks he is religious, how oh, did you, oh, there it is. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not brittle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. <laughs> I love how blunt this is, right? This is in the Bible. His religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans, the widows, and the least of these in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Here's the cherry on top, yeah? 
Sometimes there's power in what you, what you don't say versus what you do say. Yes? A brindle, uh, uh, sorry, a brindled tongue, right? There's more power in what you don't say than what you do say. We're supposed to be slow to speak. Slow to speak. Quick to hear. And even quicker to We have to run some things before we say them through the filter, you know? Is it edifying? Good, say it. Is it blowing smoke? Don't say it. <laughs> right? Is it necessary? Yes? Don't. Good, say it. Yes, say it. If it's not necessary, don't say it. Is it of ill motive? Don't say it. Right? I know, it's super elementary, but we need to hear it. What are we saying? What are we saying about each other? What are we saying about, well, you know, all of it? You get it? Run it through the filter. A person who is not in control of their tongue has a worthless religion. Right religion is looking out for each other and all people and keeping ourselves unstained from the world. Do you understand that Jesus defines our morals and ethics? The world doesn't. And I know that that's, again, super, super surface. But I think sometimes we let the world and we start compromising and saying, well, it's 2023 now. Let's bend a little bit. I don't see that in Scripture. I don't. It doesn't say, if this is applicable in the world today, then implement this. If it's not, <laughs> you get my point? This is it. This is it. Just because it's normal everywhere else, or maybe even in your families, or maybe you've even said, hey, come on in and normalize things a little bit too much, does not mean that this changes. It doesn't. Right? Your definition of love doesn't get to change. It doesn't. Our theology needs to be defined by the word, not be compromised with a compromised world. <laughs> Faith can be contaminated if it's surrounded by worldly values. So, when we make extravagant claims about who the Lord is, we need to believe them, and they need to be the depths of who we are. That if Jesus is a true healer, he heals everything, down to the broken pinky toe, down to a fever. You know that was Jesus' first miracle? Did you know that? Down to the fever, down to... I don't know, a gluten allergy. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to think of things. Man, I don't know. They're, like, if he's a healer, he heals everything. If he's the answer, he's the answer to everything. Right? Otherwise, I'm lying, and I'm lying to you. If I'm telling you that he's the answer and I don't think he's the answer over things in my life, I'm sorry, I'm a liar. And guess what I just did? Oh, now I'm a hypocrite. You get it? Like, believe it. 
say, hey, he said it, so I'm, I'm standing on it, dude. He said that he's a healer, so I'm standing on it. I've seen it too much, I'm standing on it. He said that he's getting me to the other side, so I'm standing on it. Even if it's not happening in my microwave theology. Or my air fryer. We just got an air fryer. Holy crap, you can cook things fast. Microwave's got nothing now, dude. About to throw it, off, throw it out the window. Right? That's our, that's our, that's our culture, though. In, in, in America, it's just, how fast can I put something in so I see a return on it right away? I'm sorry, that's not the way your stocks work. <laughs> Unless you're really savvy, which... Don't have enough time to do that and work three other jobs, you know? <laughs> you get it? Gosh, get in your closet. Say, Lord, I'm being intimate with you, and I'm standing on every single word that you say, and I know that your promises are true because you said that they're true. You said it, so I believe it. You said it. I believe it. That's a song, right? If he's the answer, he's truly the answer. If you're going to make these claims, man, stand on it. I want to say this differently so it lands differently because I just feel like it's not landing. And like how jacked up would it be if he gave us a prophetic word and then he didn't do it? You're like, no, that doesn't even make sense. I can't even wrap my head around. Yeah, good. <laughs> Because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Do you understand when that, uh, that oh, I say scene, that moment in Scripture where Jesus and his disciples get into the boat and Jesus is asleep in the, in the deck, right? What did Jesus say before they even got on the boat? What? We are going to the other side. Well, what happened when they were in the middle? Oh! <gasps> The winds and the waves, right? Oh my gosh, we're dying, Jesus. How can you be asleep? We're dying in here, dude. Right? But what did he say? We're going to this city or this or that city, whatever it was. We're getting to the other side. He already spoke it. And then they freaked out. And then what did Jesus say? Do you still have no faith? Gosh, put your money where your mouth is. Let's do it. Like, st stop just being hearers. Like, it's cool that you, you come here, hear a message. I know that I carry something. But what would it look like if we did it? What would, what would your workplace look like? What would your school look like tomorrow? You said, every single thing that I've read in here, I believe it. And I'm walking into work. And I'm walking into my family. And I'm walking into I'm walking into this. I'm walking into that. You get it? And if we grab this, you guys are just gonna be wanting to telling stories all night. Guess what the Lord did, right? He actually stood on his promise. He actually did what he said he was going to do. Because he does it. He's just looking for somebody who's got faith. That's what he's looking for. Isn't that cool? Man, that's so cool. I think it's cool. That's all I've got. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray that we would just carry that well. I pray that we would, we would exemplify you rightly. Pray that we would just exemplify you rightly, Lord. Pray that I would leave my opinions at the door. I would leave my life experiences at the door. And that I would just let you lead, rule, and reign. And watch you do what you want to do. Pray that we would just be a people that is in agreement of co-laboring with you day after day, and that we have a hunger and we become addicted 
to our secret place, our quiet place with you. Yeah. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of getting to be called a Christian, getting to be more like you every single day. Would you train us? Would you teach us? Would you illuminate your word to us? Thank you for who you are, Lord. Thank you for what you said, what you're going to say, what you've done, and what you're going to do. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Cool? Cool. Well, read James 2.